Hey, welcome to the Transform Your Workplace. I'm Brandon Laws, and I'm here with John Johnson. John, what's up, man? It's a beautiful day. How are you? I'm really good. So I don't do too many of these in person. This is fun. You were here for an event where you're on diversity and inclusion. Fascinating topic. That's not our topic for today. We're talking about why would we want to be uncomfortable? Why would we want to encourage people to be comfortable with being uncomfortable? If that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you brought this topic to me. I think it's fascinating. I believe this wholeheartedly that we need to push our boundaries a little bit. Let's talk about your background real quick. So you're in Portland. Before we dive into this topic, I want to know what's your background? What's your role? Why this topic? Sure. That's a good question. So I born in Portland and I've traveled around quite a bit. I've worked in small and large companies in Denver and London. And so all that travel and being... World traveler, man. I try to do it. And I found that I really love that perspective. And I look forward in other people because it does get you outside of your comfort zone and it helps you look at other people's perspective all the time. And especially being an HR role or being really just a good person (laughs) or someone who (laughs) is enjoyable to be around is that you're constantly sort of, you know, spending time with people that are different or looking at things in a different way. Because I think that's what's interesting about life, right? It's the variety is the spice of life. So, you know, anything that I can do to improve that, I really, really enjoy. And ultimately, I like helping people feel included. Mm -hmm. And the people that are the most different are often the ones that don't feel included in things. And so I like finding the quietest person in the room and, you know, making them feel comfortable. And while they're probably sweating because you're talking to them. Oh, yeah. They're just like, oh, like, stop talking to me right now. (laughs) It's why I like tech people or people that are engineers. Engineers, yeah. Like, they're just like, leave me alone, put my headphones on. Yeah, I get that. But it's like they're passionate about something. So let's figure out what that is, then watch them go. And all of a sudden, their personality comes out. And you're like, yes, okay. Like, (laughs) it's okay to be that person. And So I'm fascinated by that. And my personal journey with being uncomfortable, I feel like at different times in my life when I was really challenged and I was looking for, you know, a way to disconnect from that. And especially with the way that the news is these days or the way we're sort of constantly bombarded with the world's issues where we look to disconnect from that and look for comfort. Little safety zone. No, I totally get that because we're inundated with negativity all the time. Like, why would you want to seek out more uncomfortable conversation or situations, right? Like it just feels like your whole life is negative. And it isn't important to take a break and be mindful or, you know, take a wellness break, kind of, you know, disconnect from some things just to give yourself some rest. But at the same time, over comfort or searching that all the time is an issue. And so I found that my personal life wasn't improving, but my professional life was because I wasn't challenging myself in my personal life as much. And so I actually was drawn to a guy called Jocko Willink. Yeah, who, I love him. He's yeah. great, right? Navy SEAL, yep. a man that doesn't know... The him. book, Extreme Ownership. Right. Phenomenal book. Love that book. It's really good. And Dichotomy of Leadership. I haven't read that one, but I've heard good things about it. His words really kind of helped me to, you know, he would say stuff like, you know, soft things make you soft. And so <laughs> I look for, you know, friends that challenge me because iron sharpens iron. And so I look for a friend that can look at me in the eye and say, hey, you're slipping in a couple different ways yeah. here. And, you know, I know that you want to improve, so let's get better at stuff. And it might not be so direct. Yeah. But that's the spirit of our friendship in a lot of ways. It's funny that you say that because I do think we become the average of who we hang around. And if your friends aren't giving you good feedback and and pushing you, then you're going to sit in your comfort zone. Like we were just watching the speaker on the simulcasted version of that talk on diversity. And he was talking about the Portland area and how, you know, people are just nice to each other. (laughs) But if you don't like get to the root, because 
the topic was diversity and I think Oregon has some diversity issues. And if you're just nice all the time, but avoiding conversation and conflict, how do you grow from that? I think that's what I kind of took from that is like, how do you feel uncomfortable a little bit to where it's like, hey, this is actually an issue. Diversity is an issue. Right. Let's fix it. Absolutely. We don't lean into that, right? Yeah. We want to be nice to each other. Some of my best friends are from the East Coast. <laughs> I didn't used to think they weren't nice people because yeah. they hurt my feelings. <laughs> but I get my feelings hurt quite easily. It's something that I got from my dad, which is just great. Sensitive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm the same way. But at the same time, those are some of my favorite people because they taught me, you know, that you can be direct with someone and still care about them and still, you know, and ultimately that is the greatest thing that we can do for each other is to point out like, 100% hey, agree. I know you want to be better. Let's do this together. One of my favorite books was that we read, I think it's a book club here at Zenium, is How to Say Anything to Anyone. And what I always remember in that book was nice is not just pleasantries and surfacey talk. Nice is like being honest and authentic. Mm -hmm. And even if it's hard sometimes, like I think that's the best gift you can give somebody is to be honest with them. Right. Even if it hurts a little bit. My trick that I learned while working at Apple was to ask for permission for things. And so when someone comes in with a broken phone and they say, hey, this is broken, fix it. If you just launch into a bunch of questions about it, it makes them feel, feel defensive. Like and they like, did something wrong. I'm trying like, to figure out what they me? did to this phone yeah. that all of a sudden, you know, that means, means I'm not going to pay for it, not going to cover it. And if you say, hey, can I ask you a couple questions about this? They immediately would it probably yeah, say yes. And now I can ask, all right, well, have you been in the rain with it? Did you dunk it in a bucket of water? Or, you know, you can yeah. ask some questions that might be a little difficult, you know, but it disarms people. And so instead of launching into whatever it is, it's like, hey, can I share something with you that I'm a little nervous to talk about? Because I feel like it's going to be a little difficult to bring it up. It's a humble place to come from. And ultimately, people are like, oh, yeah, like, what do you have to talk about? Yeah. Like, you know, you're, we're, we're friends. You can share things with me. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of life lessons that you've had in your personal life, and even professional life that you've stretched yourself like i know you're an Oregon native right mm -hmm. yeah so portland lived in portland forever but yet then you've been to colorado you've been to london and spent years over there i believe right, mm -hmm. right. i mean what drew you to really be uncomfortable with doing something like that because that for a lot of people myself included it's challenging it's really stretching yourself yeah i was traveling from a pretty young age and so it was something that my parents instilled in me that it's important to travel and get different perspectives on things. And they always encouraged me to do things and to try things. And shout out to my mom, something that she always says, because she's very afraid of things or just holds back sometimes. And so she has this phrase where she says to herself, do it afraid, because we're always going to be afraid of what's unknown, or we're not really sure what's going to be the outcome. Sometimes it's bad, sometimes it's good. But if you don't take a chance like Columbus did, yeah, <laughs> You know, you end up not, you know, finding the new world. You end up not doing things that will take you into a better place. Yeah. And ultimately, I dig travel. I got the opportunity to start an office in London with a group that it was really fun and trying to figure out a new sales process in another place and just connect with different people. It's mm -hmm. always really neat. So I also got to experience kind of the opposite of what I had lived my whole life, which was being an American in America, feeling what it's like to be completely out of my culture yes. and then not accepted simply because I was American. So that was a great lesson to really be yeah. judged for something that wasn't my control at all. And, then, and here you are making efforts to try to grow and change, but right. not feeling accepted. That's got to be pretty challenging, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. And everyone feels like that at different times. I think when you have communities built and like, you know, you even look at the workplace, these cultures, and then you have somebody from the outside coming in 
unless you're extending, it's kind of like what you did at the Apple store. It's like, you know, you extended an olive branch in a way. It's like, hey, do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? Well, it's like day one, a new employee that maybe looks and acts and talks differently coming in. Like, what can you do to make sure that person feels comfortable? Because guarantee they feel uncomfortable. And right. they're maybe okay with it, but there's things that we can do to make sure that they feel a bit more comfortable, right? Mm-hmm. Right, absolutely. But at the end of the day, you know, helping people be uncomfortable <laughs> or encouraging them that it's something that's worth a pursuit yeah. is important. And so I think the biggest reason why it matters in a lot of ways is that the cost of not changing and improving is way too high, whether it's for a business or for hmm. you know, personal reasons. You know, the world is continuing to change around us all the time. For sure. And if and we look at just technology alone. Massive. Yeah. And that's just that by itself is enough to say, okay, we need to make change. I did want to ask you, like, what drew you to this topic around, like, being okay with being uncomfortable, which really is a fancy way of saying, like, embrace change, you know? Right. Change doesn't always feel good. It makes us feel uncomfortable, but it's important to do it because the world is changing around us. What drew you to that? Just your personal experiences or something else? You know, I've heard it discussed in a lot of different arenas that, you know, when the world changes or when things change too quickly, we tend to want to go back to the way that things were, or we want to find comfort in things that we understand already. And so that idea seems like it's a safer place to be, Mm -hmm. but you're just constantly on your heels then like hoping for something that was. And I'm nostalgic. I keep a journal so that I can go back and relive the things that I've done or just like the stories and lessons that I've learned maybe. But at the same time, being too deep into that, you know, keeps you from growing. And so, yeah, yeah, I think we're sort of constantly bombarded with the world's problems. And so and it's easy, like with all the problems, it's easy to just hunker down and stay in your little comfort zone. One of my favorite like diagrams, and I'm sure you've seen this, is like you got a circle, you got the comfort zone, and then there's the outer ring of it and then like the further outside which is like risky big change but i always thought like and i always like the diagram that says like okay here's where you want to be it's like the dot is right on the outer edge where it's like you're right outside of that main circle where you're on the edge of comfort and growth because change happens there you're a little uncomfortable and that's how you grow versus if you're so far outside you're at risk of losing everything or having a meltdown or something. But if you stay in your comfort zone all the time, then nothing's going to change. You're going to stay stagnant. The world's going to change around you, all that. Right. And I guess ultimately, I've never been happier than I am. By embracing change. By embracing change. Yeah. And I know that when I you know, get down about things or if I'm reaching for too much comfort, I notice it. I'm like, why do yeah. I feel like things aren't going well? You journaling probably gives you a chance to reflect back. So if you're in the moment, you're like, things aren't going right. Just like things are not great, but you reflect back and like, oh, I grew as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And yeah, I tend to journal when things are going really well. Like, hey, I'm you know, at a music <laughs> festival, things that. are awesome. Or yeah. hey, I just had this really great experience and I want to write about but it. But what about documenting like, you know, right before a big presentation or before a performance or what you're feeling about it? Because right. to me, that would be like, okay, this is what I felt. This is just meaning like I'm just preparing for a big moment or a big change. Yeah. Have you ever documented that? You know, that's a really, that's a good idea. I haven't done that before. Because you're only reflecting on what's already happened. Right. It is one of my favorite things right before going on stage or right before doing a presentation. That moment right before you go on because it's all the preparation that you've put on or done is complete. And now all you have to do is say, all right, you know, ain't nothing to it but to do it. And like you just walk right out there and like it's the time that I'm the most nervous. 
or, oh, yeah. or the, the most excited. Oh, yeah. It's a little bit of both, probably. Yeah, and that's great. It's yeah. also the thing that everyone hates, which I also enjoy. I know. Hey, I feel the same way, but it's like, and you could probably relate to this, is like once you're on stage or doing a presentation or whatever it may be, like even like podcasting for me, like leading up to these podcasts, definitely with like certain authors that I would put on a pedestal or something like that. Sure. I would get a little nervous and like feel unprepared. But then once I'm like in it, mm-hmm. I'm like zone. Like I'm yeah. at a whole different level where it's like, okay, I felt uncomfortable in preparation. And my mm-hmm. body was just reacting in a different way. And I think reflecting on that's important. Is there anything that you do that makes you feel confident? Like things, the like tricks for yourself or... Prepare. Sure. Like we were talking about this before we started recording, like not over memorizing, but like knowing enough to be able to feel good about and have a conversation with somebody who is, this is all they do. Like they're an expert in whatever. Right. Man, it's tough being like a podcast host, for example, or doing a webinar where I'm like, I'm trying to hang with somebody who this is what they do. It is hard for me. It fascinates me. Preparation ultimately is the key to confidence. But I love the little tricks that people do. Like they will like get big in their office, they'll close the door and they'll, you know, hold their hands out. Yeah, I've heard those tricks. I've never really used anything like that. I'm just, you know, I'm a creature of habit. Like I get, you know, I'm a Starbucks here. It's Uh pretty much the same drink every time I got. Yeah. Everyone has their own path for it, right? Positive affirmations or whether you know, you're just kind of building no. yourself up. Everyone's got their process, but... You know, this is probably more unconscious than anything else. So I was a pitcher back in high school, and I just remember like not being a great practice player, but in the game, I would get in this weird zone. And I think it's because I was a really good visualizer. You know, even with stuff at work, a lot of it comes from within too. So like I'll daydream in a way about like what the outcome would look like. And I think that's really important for a lot of people is just to see it happen before it actually happens. Because especially when you're uncomfortable, just going back to this topic, the best thing you can do is visualize it going right versus mm-hmm. all of the stuff that can go wrong. Sure. I'm a big NBA fan and I remember hearing somebody say like, okay, if you really want to get in somebody's head, just mention something that like, oh, you did so much better than that time you screwed up royally. Mm-hmm. You know, like right when you missed every shot because then oh, I was like, oh, wow. I went back to that moment of when sure. things were bad and it's like, immediate uncomfort (laughs) yeah you just drill into it yeah i play ice hockey for fun and chirping back and forth like that when someone you know slips and falls it's you know slippery out there you're just like man this this is gonna be a rough game for you just little like stupid things to say to each other just to get in people's heads is always really fun yeah but mentioning sports is a good thing too because i'm really encouraging of people to be bad at things because i think it helps you be humble it helps you remember what it's like to learn something and i think teaching ourselves that the word should be learning something or that you know people are always on different paths of learning is really important so for sure when i get good at something i'm like all right what else can i be bad at because it's tough it's really you know no one likes it yeah and like you're talking about sports let's translate this to the workplace a little bit because you're dealing with a lot of different people and teams and things like that and not everybody's gonna be at the same learning path And I think, you know, as leaders, if you want to like encourage people or even use an individual, like somebody's listening, like how do you understand where people are at, but also get them to embrace being uncomfortable? Because this is all about like, I think we've made the case for why it's important to be okay with being uncomfortable, which is, it's all about change because the world's changing. But for the regular person that just doesn't buy into that philosophy, like how do you encourage people to do that? Does that make sense? It does. It's interesting kind of question for people to because you are asking them to do something that they don't want to do. Yeah. And it's natural to shy away from things that bring us discomfort. And so in thinking through this, 
is it Adam Brantley that came on and talked about a coaching culture? Yeah. Yep, a building champions. Yeah, I like that topic. If you have that relationship, a, a kind of a coaching relationship with an employee or with a team, it's ideal because then you kind of bring something like that up a little bit more easily. Each organization is going to be different in what kind of culture they've set up and whether or not they're in that growth mindset. Yeah. I, that I love talking about and if people don't know about it. And you've talked about growth mindsets on this yeah. before. Well, I, I mentioned Carol Dweck's book, Mindset, all the time. I feel like everybody in this profession has probably read Mindset. Right. And we all talk about it. We all cite it because it's foundational work. There's the fixed or the growth mindset. It's like it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. It really helps, I think, to characterize people's comments when they say, hey, you know, I'm really not interested in doing that. You know, I failed at doing something before or they start to use you know, certain phrases. They're like, OK, this feels fixed. Yeah. They feel like, oh, there's so much of that. I mean, with people yeah. in our personal lives or professional lives. And again, the people resort back to their comfort zone. They're afraid of that growth mindset. And it's not even intentional. It's just comfortable for them. I think it's a big piece, I think, is the first step in talking with people about it is sharing a personal story. If you decide that, hey, I'd like to get my team to be more comfortable with being mm-hmm. uncomfortable, the first step is to kind of look at yourself and say, well, how comfortable am I? with having difficult conversations or with bringing things up that I know we need to change as a team, but I know it's going to have lasting ramifications or I Mm -hmm. know that people aren't going to like this, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. And then, you know, go through that journey yourself because then when you bring it to a team, you'd say things like, well, you know, I used to, yeah, you can share a personal story. Everyone, you know, likes a personal story from someone and you don't have to be overly personal about it, but sharing a benefit of what it did in your life ultimately lets people say, well, I want to be like that, you know, I don't know what that means or how to get there, or I certainly don't like the idea of being uncomfortable, but the kind of story that they just shared, I want my life to be like that. And so that's to me the biggest why place to start from is like, this is what it did for me. If you want to do something similar in your life, I've got some cool ideas to get into it. That's a good way to frame it up. I was actually going to mention, because you worked at Apple for a while, the philosophy internal, I think, was embrace change and then think differently is kind of the outward facing mm-hmm. motto and way they think. And I love that because it kind of sets the stage for here's our vision, here's kind of why. But you're describing even like how, like by sharing personal stories, like, well, here's how like I thought differently or how I embrace change. And it's like, yeah, it was uncomfortable, but like this is what it did for me in my life or in my work or whatever it may be. And I think that's the important piece to the growth mindset and just being uncomfortable and having it work out to your benefit is talking about why we'd want to do it in the first place and then how we did it. Right. And ultimately, you are preparing for things to kind of shift you into that yeah. discomfort zone, right? Sometimes it just happens to you in a way, like an opportunity comes around. It's like, oh, well, it's a little uncomfortable right now. But like mm-hmm. sometimes you just don't really know you're in it until you're out of it, like to your point. Right. And it's a Tim Ferriss quote, which is a great, another great podcast. But he said that like the more voluntary suffering you build into your life, the less involuntary Ugh. suffering will affect your life. That's a good one. It's great because this is like in an ideal world in my head. But like if things were to come at me and make me upset, I'm like, huh, like I'm upset right now. Why am I so upset? Like, well, because they did something that I care personally about and it that I now I'm upset about. I'm like, okay, so it's, you know, uh, all right. You know, it just helps you to prepare for it. And then the more you do anything, you know, the more you pick up heavy stuff and put it down, the stronger you are when you need it, right? Yeah, I mean, you're preaching my language and just how I think because the world is changing rapidly. It's chaotic in a lot of ways. And I always think back to that silly movie years ago. I don't know if you've seen it. Pleasantville, I think it was with Jake Gyllenhaal and Reese Witherspoon. I like that movie a lot. 
And I just remember how like, okay, they're in this community or this world that's like perfect, right? Everything, mm-hmm. there's no color to anything. Everybody makes a shot. I think they remember the basketball scene where like everybody makes it. Yeah. And it's just like everything's perfect, but that's just not how life is. And we have emotions as human beings. We're different. You know, there's opportunities that fall in our lap. There's things that happen to us. We just have to embrace it because that's how it's just life is random. It's all randomness. I think it's beautiful in a lot of ways because you don't know what tomorrow brings, but you can embrace it and say, you know, I'm going to make the best of today, whether it's personal or at work or whatever. That's just kind of how I think about it. Yeah. It's a nice way to start each day in a lot of ways. It's something that, you know, having a little bit of difficulty when you first get up, whether that's, you know, exercising or, you know, having a conversation with someone or having something like before you get to work, that's kind of challenging. I go through the day so much better. I'm like, oh, well, I've already accomplished something. I feel like I've done something. The first, and this is another Chuck Willing thing, but like (laughs) the first challenge that you have is the alarm going off in the morning and you get to decide what kind of discipline you're going to look at the day with. Do I do things that are comfortable and I'm going to stay in, sleep in for a few minutes? Or do I decide to have discipline in getting up and doing something that I know will help me grow, you know, today? And so that first decision then sets the tone for the rest of the day. I don't do it all the time, but the days that I do decide, let's get up and let's go. I feel better. I feel great. Yep. And now they're doing. You want to people. almost do that every, like you want to feel that again, but it's so hard because again, in that moment where the alarm's going off, you're uncomfortable. Like, oh, I could just get back to my comfort zone. I could hit the snooze or just hit, turn off the alarm altogether and I'm back in my little safety zone. Mm-hmm. Or get up, go work out or get to the office early or read a book, whatever you want to do Yeah, right. to embrace that growth. I think that's super important. And it's being intentional about that mindset. You're like, okay, because it doesn't just happen. You know, I didn't just become this way. Like I decided things that were issues yeah. and then decided, all right, how am I going to change this? And so, you know, you find that little changes have big ramifications. And so it's funny because I think this topic, there's a lot that can come from within. And I think the majority of it probably needs to start from within. However, like in reading mindset specifically, I just remember how you project it on other people too and how you talk to them. So like, here's an example. I have kids and I just remember in that book, there's a lot of parenting stuff in there. And there's a way you talk to your kids or to an employee or whatever, where it's a very fixed mindset. So here's an example. Let's say an employee screwed up or my kid broke a dish or something. I just reacted and I said, you're stupid. Or you always do that or something. Like when you use that kind of language, it's fixed because this is how you always are. It's not a state at the time. Whereas if you said, you know, you messed up this time, you're going to do better next time. Or like you did something that was encouraging effort and that you can come back from this versus like you do this all the time. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, people get tired and they lash out sometimes or, you know, there's just these issues. <laughs> get hangry, whatever it may be. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. The words that we say matter and the approach that we have, you know, matters a lot. My professional life and in, in working with people with employee benefits, I'm constantly educating people or yeah. trying to get them to change in, in, to a certain extent, whether it's changing from their current broker or changing their plan in yeah. some way or changing the way that they're handling their employees, which is, you know, very personal to them as HR people. They're and, taking care of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to understand that, you know, the decisions that they've made up until this point were good for the time, but like things are changing. So it's time to change with mm-hmm. them. And so like validating that, like, hey, you've been doing a great job already. We just need to continue doing a good job and changing and, you know, doing something different. And yeah, the words that you use are important 
to not kind of cut them off, but validate and then and say, okay, we are, you know, a company that embraces change or, you know, we all want to improve. So let's yep. go ahead and move forward. And I think part of that, like, especially when you're talking about an like organization, it's like embracing failure because I think a lot of people, when they fail, they think it's like a perpetual thing. It's like a forever, like I screwed up. I'm always going to screw up or I'm never going to be better. But I think as a leader, you set the stage a little bit. It's like, you know, we're going to fail. Let's embrace that and learn from it and let's teach each other. And I think that's where effective teams really come into play is they fail, they share the failures, maybe use it as a case study, and then they grow from it. Maybe another person, your peer, wouldn't make the same mistake if we just talked about it. Why are people so afraid to talk about failure? I don't understand that. Yeah, it hurts. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. It's, it's vulnerable. And I think, especially at work, we often, I mean, feel like we need to let people know why we have the job all the time. Or, hey, you know, we're asking people to validate us all the time, especially and me to as a prove your value in a way. Yeah, as a salesperson or as an HR person, like you're always saying, like, hey, this is why I have this job is because I'm good at this and whatever it is. And that mindset of like, hey, you know, I'm always right or something, it's really a toxic thing. And so, as a leader, having humility and saying that if you see that I need to improve in something, please come tell me because. I heard this recently and I really like it. The idea that like you haven't failed at something, you just haven't passed it yet. So don't say I failed, say not yet. Interesting. In my head because... I'm not ready. I wasn't prepared or... Right. And yeah. so, okay, well, Start not yet. I just haven't figured that out yet. And it, there's hope in that yeah. statement, right? It's like, I, I need to keep going. Such a great point. And there's stuff that may never <laughs> completely pass or completely get right. I'm always going to say like, not quite yet. I don't understand this quite yet. Those are inevitably the things that I love the most, you know, for instance, like healthcare or, you know, things that are like just constant issues. Yeah. So I tend that those things are the most fascinating and I spend a lot of time with because they're complicated. But it ultimately is a matter of saying, OK, let's keep going and embracing it, especially as a leader, instilling something like that in your team. I think there's no greater way to get closer together and kind of move forward and attacking whatever challenge that your business does. Absolutely. Every role is so different too. And so when you're talking about you're in a more of a sales consultative role, I'm in a marketing role where I can be very visible. Let's take the podcast, for example. When I first started this thing, I knew I wanted to do it. I didn't necessarily, and I think I told you the story, I didn't know if I wanted to be the host of this show because I didn't feel like my voice was good enough. I had a lot of self-doubts about it and I'd never done it. So jumping into that was super uncomfortable. And especially when I heard my voice the first few times, I'm like, I am so bad. You have a good so, voice for this, though. Like, I yeah. appreciate that. I don't feel like I'm articulate enough, and I feel like I have a lot of flaws. So I do appreciate the people that provide good feedback. But like hearing myself several times, I'm like, okay, I can hang with people. I still don't like my voice, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm growing as a result of hearing my own. It didn't really come from external forces where people would just give me feedback or validate. And I think that's what a lot of times what people look at is their leader to provide feedback all the time, but sometimes they just need an opportunity to try, fail, see themselves, or at least go at a 60,000 foot view or whatever, and just sort of look at it from an objective standpoint, make iterations on their own. Because I think that's where change happens. And to throw yourself in situations where like maybe you go to a client meeting where it's a big client or a prospect meeting, and you're like, I've got to seal this deal. And you're so nervous about it. But like, what's better trying that and like potentially getting the deal or like saying, ah, I'm uncomfortable. I'm not going to do it. Right. We got to seek that stuff out. Yeah. I like the idea. And I think this is really true. Like the thing that you are the most ashamed of or concerned about, 
the thing that you think that makes you, you know, different than everybody else, people tend to like that the most about you, right? I think that's like some of the greatest parts of like a loving relationship sometimes is the things that people are most embarrassed. It's the like, stuff that drives you nuts. Or right. <laughs> like that is actually the thing that I like the most about you because, you know, because it's you. It's ultimately you. And like the diversity conversation we were having before the podcast here, it's that, you know, diverse teams bring a perspective that, you know, you need to grow in a lot of ways. And, you know, sometimes they feel like they have to hide the things that make them different, no matter what that is, you know, that's kind of separating you from the group. But those are the things oh my that gosh, you need to embrace point. the most, yeah. right? Going back to that stupid example I had of that Pleasantville movie, it's the same way. It's like everybody looks the same, acts the same, treats each other the same, uses the same language, but yet throw in something else, throws a wrench into it. And do you embrace it or do you not? Like having a little bit of difference of an opinion, looks, behavior, to me, that's so good for us. It pushes us to a different level to be better, but yet we're not you know, as a society, as workplace cultures, we're not necessarily embracing it the way we should. No. And to feel validated when someone says, hey, you know, the thing that you are embarrassed about, I like that the most about you. And you're like, what? You know, like I've been hiding this thing. (laughs) You know, I'm a big fan of like helping people find their superpowers or just like maybe you haven't found the right role yet. And you're sort of in this wheel of like, I don't really like my job or, you know, you haven't found the right thing. And so, you know, giving people the opportunity to grow or to learn you know, different roles in the organization or keeping things moving might all of a sudden going to bring out something that people don't know about themselves that they really enjoy or that all of a sudden they're really good at. So it's another way to sort of instill change in an organization is like move people around a bit. Oh, I like that. Whether it's physically, you know, like moving desks, which is not always popular (laughs) or GM does it in a lot of ways. Like they'll give leaders roles in different departments to see what best practices are there and so they can make sure the teams work better together, but also give them a different perspective on their own team and say, well, you know, why we do things like that to help this team be better, set them up for success. Maybe we should do things a little bit differently. And so, you know, small changes, even just to get people to kick it up a little bit, ultimately, you know, bring some life into it. But of course, they need to buy into the why. So you're not just like, hey, you need to move desks. That's not the rule. Honestly, there's (laughs) People I've ran across in my life, they don't want to change. Yeah. They like checking off the same stuff every single day. Mm-hmm. The they, planners. You know, and yeah. I think you do need those people. Oh, yeah. But if you're trying to embrace like an overall culture of change and growth, then that kind of throws a little variable in there. But I don't know. I think there's ways to work around that. It's a good point to be moderate about this. There's no sense in listening to this podcast and then going right into like, okay, we're going to change everything yeah, no, immediately. I, but your point about like small changes, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. And there's things that we can do. Like I even think meetings, meetings can be really uncomfortable, especially when you start them. But you brought up like the ideas of like icebreaker questions and things like that. Like mm-hmm. to me, that is a perfect way to like make sure that you're not super uncomfortable and right. that you're making sure that the diverse group in the meeting may feel comfortable talking and mm-hmm. pushing the other people in the room to think differently and to yeah. act differently. I like those little tricks of, you know, yeah, icebreaker things are thrown around a beach ball with questions on it, whatever, you know, question their finger lands on, you know, they answer that one or, you know, in a group of people where I don't know anyone and I feel really uncomfortable. Like I'll ask people what they had for breakfast because everyone has an answer 
and inevitably it tells me something about them. And you're just like, oh, okay, that's interesting. You had, you know, a full stack of waffles. That sounds really good. I had yogurt and now I wish I had waffles. And now you're having a conversation with a stranger about breakfast. It's funny that you mentioned that because a lot of times if I'm doing in-person podcasts where, you know, maybe it's the first time somebody's done one of these, I usually will test the audio ahead of time like I did with you. And a lot of times ask that question, like, hey, what'd you have for breakfast this morning while I'm testing? But it also gets them to be more comfortable, like, oh, okay. I'm asking a question that's sort of offline, mm-hmm. that's personal, just to get like get them comfortable and like, hey, you're talking into a microphone. It's weird, but right. dude, it's just me. Person. I'm a person. Let's talk. have a conversation. Yeah. There's a humility is wrapped into all this stuff. And it's just like we're all people trying to do things, right? Yep. Well, this has been fun. We're kind of running up on time, but like what really got you, besides your personal experiences, what still drives you about this particular topic of like growth mindset, being comfortable with being uncomfortable, like why you wanted to come on this podcast, talk about it. I mean, you're preaching to the choir here. I love this stuff. I could talk about it. In fact, you come back, talk about this kind of self-growth stuff all the time. But you know, what is it that drives your interest here? Any inspiration like externally or? Well, I think it's such a fundamental thing that I've learned even in the last couple of years to continue to do. And it really pays dividends in my personal life and my family and my professional life. I want other people to feel that same level of growth and encouragement. And ultimately, a lot of these things are helping you be comfortable with who you are in the world. And part of that is embracing what comes at you and how you handle those things. And so I think a lot of people struggle you know, myself included oh, it, <laughs> with the weight. That's the thing about like this particular topic is like you might struggle with it. I struggle with it. The lowest level of an employee struggles with it. The highest executive struggles with this. We get in our moments where we're just so inundated with the moment that we forget like, hey, there's things are just happening to us and we're, we just got to embrace it and it's just go with the change and, and I lean think, into it. You yeah. said that earlier. Well, and the most fascinating thing to me is that the people that seem the most confident or the most arrogant, you break those people down a little bit and they find themselves to be, you know, the most self-conscious and that's just a shield that, you know, put up or this is how they've learned to lean into their problems. And so it's not that ever this person is super confident. They might constantly be you know, like a lot of people say they don't like negotiation or they don't like sales. They don't like conflict. Well, you know, the big secret is nobody does and nobody likes conflict. But everybody sells. Right. And we all have to embrace conflict and deal with it. It's the people that lean into that and say, you know what, I'm going to get comfortable with conflict that ultimately are fantastic at it. And so it helps people really connect well with each other a lot better. They have difficult conversations that grows your relationship, whether it be with your employees or someone in your life. And, you know, what are we doing if not trying to connect better with each other and live happier lives? And I think like, being in that world of discomfort helps you then to grow with those people, which gets you closer. John, this has been a lot of fun, man. Where can people find you? What's your role at USI? Anything that you want to point people to learn more about you and what you're doing? Sure. So I am an yeah, employee benefits consultant. And so I ultimately work with organizations to help either save them money on their healthcare premiums or some way to support their employees or make HR people's lives easier, which ultimately isn't that what we're all here to do. And USI really thinks about things differently and approaches things differently. And so often I'm just asking people, you know, I understand that you're comfortable with the person you're working with. It's important to look at options. And so after they have a chance to meet with me and see how we do things differently, ultimately, you know, they're glad that we met. And so feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. My 
email address is johnjohn.johnson at usi.com. Happy to be a resource in any way that I can. We'll put links up. It's funny because this topic and just your philosophy in general, it aligns so much with this podcast. I imagine if you you as a listener are listening, it's the Transform Your Workplace podcast. That means you've already leaned in. You want to embrace change. You want to transform your workplace, make it a great place for people. So you know, if you love some of the stuff that John's talking about, definitely reach out to him, but also go to Apple Podcasts, give us a review and let us know, do you want John back on the podcast? Because I do. But I want to know from you what you think about John. So go do that. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. Let me know what you thought about this topic. This is more of a self-help type topic, but it bleeds over to the workplace. So I appreciate you coming on, John. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. Honor and a privilege to join you. 